Consequence Podcast Network. This episode brought to you by <laughs> Nick B. I, mean, I usually I stalk Nick B. Social media. We all do. Yeah. 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 We do. Yeah, to get these fun facts. But he's been off of it this week. Oh, what? No. Well, Nick B. Um, we miss you. We Reach do. out on socials. Oh. I think he was in the Facebook group this week. Nick B. Siding. I did see him. Yeah, he did something there. <laughs> well, Nick B. We miss you. Come back to us. Hey, we just got another fifteen dollar pledge. Woo! Hey, <laughs> Bradley, thank you so much for uh, pledging $15 right now. That yeah, was insane. Thanks, Came through on awesome. my watch. Yeah. Aww. This episode also brought to you by Rebecca. Hey, Rebecca. How you doing, girl? Hey, Rebecca. I always thought the source of hell's hotness was fire. I was wrong. It's you. Oh, my what? God. She's the source. Oh, that, she's yeah, so hot she's that so she... Hot. She keeps hell warm, yeah. Oh, I'll take it. Well, you can't take it, Jen. It was a pickup line for Rebecca. (laughs) And if you want to continue to look so hot that you are the source for hell's heat, (laughs) get some Mickey ears from Straight on Tall Disney, her Etsy store. This episode brought to you by Tom. Tom, hey Tom. I like to say Tom's name like Rebecca's. So, Jen, I believe Tom wanted to give us some spider facts. He did want to give us some spider facts, and I am give it to us, Tom. These spiders are so gross. (laughs) So today I am featuring. The Black Widow spider. Ooh, I've heard of this one. <laughs> yeah, they're terrible. And they have these really cool little red um, things on their back that tells you that they're poisonous and awful. Yeah, the hourglass? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, hourglass. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and today was the day we learned Jen didn't know what an hourglass was. I mean, it's a sand clock. It's a sand clock. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the fancy hourglass. <laughs> anyway. I want to see that Black Widow movie. Natalie's been threatening to cosplay as Black Widow. I'm like, yeah, you should do that. <laughs> She's threatening to do threatening it. it. She's like, I got all these sand clocks. What am I supposed to do with them? <laughs> uh, yeah, so Black Widow spiders are terrible. They kill babies. What? Like real babies? Yeah, like if you if like a baby gets bitten by a black widow, it might die. Black widow spiders. These spiders aren't aggressive and only bite when they feel threatened. The bites usually aren't fatal, but they can still cause some serious and uncomfortable symptoms. Ugh. If a black widow spider has bitten you, get medical treatment right away. Yeah. All right, so that's our black widows. They're the worst. Well, thank you, Tom, for scaring us with your creepy spider facts. This episode <laughs> also brought to you by Ryan. Ryan. Let me tell you the truth about Ryan, guys. There is photographic evidence of this on <laughs> our is. socials. Yes. Ryan has been watching Hellraiser, stole my family's blanket. <laughs> yeah. He said, I don't know where it came from. It was just here. Let me rub it all over myself. <laughs> and then while we were setting our mics up, luxuriating under my Titan blanket. Under the comfort that your family has provided. <laughs> as well as the roof. <laughs> Leaned his hand over and says, oh, the mic is so far away. Can you hand it to me, please? I did not go to Ryan. This is 100% a true story about Ryan. Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm so terrible that I use a blanket. I feel like this is a good week for me. That's true. Yeah. This is a mild week for Ryan. Right. This episode also brought hold to you on, by... Hold oh, on, yeah, Todd. What, Breaking up? news. Uh-oh. Breaking news. We have a new player entering the game. Oh, yeah. Isaac. 
Oh, I know Isaac. Hey, Isaac, He's in the Facebook group. He is in the Facebook group. He's awesome. Yeah, he is. So Isaac is a new Burn It Down level patron. And so new that we're not exactly sure what he wants for a shout out yet. Oh, we'll put him in the Patreonicals. (laughs) I'm going to put him in the Patreonicals. And if you want something else, just let us know and we'll we'll do that. So whether you tweet at us or message us in the Facebook group or- Or we'll we'll get you on Patreon. Either way. Or you can stay in the Patreonicals if you want. Yeah, whatever you want. Just let us know. But thanks for joining the party, Isaac. Now, if you would join us this week for the Patreonicals. Like sands through the time clocks. <laughs> so are the Patreonicals of our lives. Okay, so this week, the animals started acting bizarre in the world. All the all, animals? All of the animals? Mammals. Oh, okay. Eddie. He's a zoologist. He's a zoologist. Right? Notice that there's like a five mile radius where animals are acting weird, and it's like, hmm. like a line. You can follow it on a map. He's like, I think something's causing this. Yeah, yeah. Probably in the center of that five mile radius, as a radius is a circle. Uh-huh. Well, how he learned about it was he found the body. Uh oh. The body of what? Of Derek. <gasps> oh, no, no! Derek! He was being eaten <gasps> by the animals from Homeward Bound. <laughs> well, I mean, they were hungry. God damn it. They keep popping up. They're on the road. <laughs> and <laughs> Chippendale. Oh. Freaking Chip. Spits out a human tooth. Ooh. He chewed it out of Derek's mouth. Don't start with the teeth. That's a real Dale move. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the homeward bound animals were doing on the body, so they worked on the head. Yeah. Yeah. It checks out, Jen. Eddie calls Matthew, and he's like, oh, that's not good. So he takes his Mary Poppins <laughs> umbrella, goes to the center of the weird animal stuff, uh-huh. And he finds Isaac had created a puzzle box <gasps> that emits a smell driving the animals aggressive. Oh, no. He developed a smelly puzzle box. Pheromones? Yes. All right. I get the feeling that you wrote this when you were in the bathroom for 15 minutes earlier. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> a gentleman never asks and a lady never tells. <laughs> I guess that makes me a gentleman and you a lady. So anyway, Matthew just breaks the puzzle box and flies away. And he's like, whatever, bye. Oh. Whatever was easy. I'm out. Bye. Well, problem solved. Mm-hmm. But doesn't that just unleash the smell for the entire world and doesn't <gasps> solve any problems? That didn't happen. Oh, oh. well, oh, okay. <laughs> crisis averted. <laughs> mm. Good to know. Check back next week for its mm. episode mm. of the Patreonical. Mm. Yeah. And if you want to write the Patreonical theme music, reach out, let us know. <laughs> we're, we're, I'm game for some Patreonical theme music. This episode also brought to you by Chris. Chris. And Chris just wants us to send love and acceptance throughout the world. Yes. I love Chris. It is really it's the sweet. Best. That's yeah. really sweet. I know. After all that nonsense. <laughs> I mean, not Chris's nonsense. Just reminding everybody that we, we make jokes and, you know, we get silly, but we love you all. And you're yeah. all great. And Absolutely. we love you, Chris. Thank this is you. a safe place for yeah. everyone to love. Except Jim won't let me love anyone on this couch. No. Do you guys hear that what? in the attic? I think it's our week theme music. It wants <gasps> us to bring other theme music oh, to yes. kill so it can be restored <laughs> to full power. Uh, <laughs> we have such podcasts to show you. Oh, my God. What's his name? We need a villain. He seems to be really scary and ominous. What should we call him? Right. I thought you were going to say Cinnabite. Like, what? All the names of this movie are dumb. Hot take. <laughs> Welcome to the Horror Virgin, everyone. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm Jen. I'm Mikey. And I'm your Horror Virgin, Todd, which means I don't like watching scary movies, and you guys make me watch well, them. Uh-huh. And then we discuss, and today's movie is the British, I guess, <laughs> suspense supernatural horror film from the like mid-80s. We watched Hellraiser. Yeah, we did. Have you guys seen this before? I have seen it once before. I have never seen it before. I had never seen it before either. So it was uh, Mikey and my first time. So, mm-hmm. Jen, when did you first see it? It was a couple of years ago. I had read a lot about oh, this and really? heard a really? lot about it. You didn't yeah. see it when you were a kid? No, because there's so much skinlessness. 
that I just don't like all that blood and stuff. So I kind of avoided it. Yeah, um, Frank is real oozy for like uh, 50 minutes in this film. Yeah, and I'm not really into that. So I kind of avoided it. <laughs> but Who's it's like, into that? Oh, there Mikey, are people. There are puss heads out there. Oh. But this Gross. is one of those movies that I think is really fascinating and I like oh, talking about it a lot. It is fascinating. Yeah. Yes. Like I like talking about it more than I like watching it. So I knew basically everything that was going to happen before I watched it. Okay. And yeah. Mikey, this is your first time? Yeah. It felt like a weird movie. It yeah. is a weird it did movie. feel like a weird movie. <laughs> yeah. That it's is a correct a, statement. Yeah. It felt like House 2, but like without the fun. And with a lot more kink. Yes. Yeah. It is a very kinky movie. Yep. Which I'm into. That's fine. Oh, yeah. No life should be lived vanilla. It was. It's very, very weird. We should probably just get into it. I just didn't yeah. know a Rubik's Cube could cause so many problems. But I will quote one of our listeners. It's Elizabeth. She's in the Facebook Elizabeth! group, too. Yeah, I was talking to her this morning about Hellraiser, and she said, it's a bad but important film. And I'm not sure she's wrong about that after seeing it. No, she, yeah, I agree with that. And there's a lot of um, feminist things to talk about, and there's a lot of, like, LGBTQ representation. Really? Okay, cool, cool, cool. Mm-hmm. That we can talk about. Well, too. I can't wait to hear what all that is. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those movies that's got a lot of layers to Didn't it. Explain the movie. I feel like it's one of those movies you have to like project layers onto, or it's just like weird I and it, it was doesn't. Silly. Yeah. Welcome back to Jen Explains Movies mm. to Two Idiots. Oh. <laughs> Come to Daddy. Oh. Gross. Ah. So, Jen, let's get into this fucking movie. So, we start with a puzzle box. Like, pause here. These credits are terrible. We just started. <laughs> <laughs> but hardcore agree. Yeah, you said, like, let's just say it, guys. I hate these credits. <laughs> They're bad. Let's yeah. move yeah. on. Okay, let's go. All right, so we see a close-up shot of a puzzle box, and it's really cool. It is cool. Yeah. And we hear someone who sounds, this is what made me think of Gremlins immediately, because it's a little bit of an Asian stereotype vendor. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But they're, like, just at a cafe, right? They're not, like, they at are. a store. Don't right, worry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not really important. It really isn't. <laughs> well, is that Frank sitting next to him? Yes, okay. it is Frank. Because you never see his head, right? No, but you do see his fingernails. You do. And, and they're super oh. dirty. Were those Frank's fingernails? Yeah, yeah, of course they were. He's a real dirty man. <laughs> he is. He's actually cleaner without skin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's more sterile. So he puts his dirty ass fingernails on a big stack of money and yes. he buys this puzzle box and then gets the F out of there. Yeah. And then we immediately see him sitting in like a rectangle of candles in an old dark room. He's sweating all over the place. Profusely, you mm-hmm. might say. And he's playing with this puzzle box and he's having a... Well, I can't say he's having. He's a having a puzzle gasm. A puzzle gasm. Yeah. That's better than one hundred percent. So he's sitting in his rectangle of candles, having his puzzle gasm. Right. And we see like through the slats of the board, the light, like sh- lights are starting to shine in, but like not, white lights. Yeah, not yeah. like sunlight, like no. hell light. Hell light. Just what? regular light. It's just like regular lights. It's cinnabrite. 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 Oh my god, you found it. <laughs> that is the joke. That is amazing. It's the cinnabrite. Yeah. So we see the cinnabrite. Shining through. Yeah, and this is something we see quite a few more times, mm-hmm. right? So then we see a hook come through skin, and this is immediately when I knew I was going to have some problems with this oh, movie. Yeah, and I realized that Clive Barker is really into hooks. He is because we he, did oh, Candyman, yep. right? And that's a very hook centric oh movie. God. It is. I just and this, this movie out. is a very hook centric movie too. How demons from hell fish is that they throw puzzle boxes into the earth. That's how they fish? fish, and then like the people do it, and then hooks pop out, and they just reel them back into hell. Oh my god. <laughs> the Puzzle box of the lures. That makes complete sense. Oh to my me. god, it does all we make sense. We figured it out. Wrap it up, boys. This episode's twenty minutes done. Uh, <laughs> all right. So the, so the devil's walking around heaven, and the cinnabites are the people that the devil said, "I'm going to teach you to be fishers of men." <laughs> 
<laughs> they're just on a lazy Sunday drinking a couple of Bud Lights in hell. Just throwing a couple of puzzle boxes up. And they've got like a they've got like a thing tied to the string to the puzzle to yeah. the hooks. And they're like, yeah. once the ribbon goes down and pops back up, then you pull. Yeah, right. And you get like a boob or a what, face. Once you see the electrical shock, <laughs> that's when you pull the fish hooks out. <laughs> oh my god, we figured it out, guys. Listen, if, if you guys can project onto this movie, Mikey and me can project onto this movie. <laughs> This is a clear reverse Christian allegory. Yeah. Where the devil is Jesus. He's just fishing for dicks. Yeah. What? And the Cenobites are the apostles. I honestly <laughs> want to see Pinhead's face with one of those like fishing hats on it with lures stuck to it. Like like Wilson from uh, um, Yes, absolutely. That's that why would they're be all amazing. wearing waders. <laughs> they are wearing a lot of waterproof black clothing. Yeah, black leather fetish clothing, mm-hmm. which I'm into. So the hooks. Hook Frank. Like fish. Like he's a fish. Mm -hmm. He's a Frankenfish. I mean, that is why he's named Frank. (laughs) Yeah, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then we see a really gross house. And there's a kitchen with lots of like old gross like food. And maggots and cockroaches. Mm -hmm. And it's really gross. It's like my apartment when I'm depressed. (laughs) So now. Mikey did say when that came on, that's like my apartment. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So we also see uh, Frank's sad mattress on the floor upstairs with his um, suitcase full of porn. Yeah. Open right next to it. It was the 80s. The internet didn't exist. Exactly. Let me stop you right here and say there's a bed problem in this movie throughout. Yeah. People make weird ass bed choices. Well, there is a mattress themed plot thread in the next movie. What? What? Hellraiser 2. I really like Hellraiser 2. I think I like it more than this one. Well, that wouldn't be hard. Well, the bar set <laughs> pretty <laughs> high here. Speaking of bars, we go up into the attic. <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah, and there are lots of chains hanging from the ceiling, and we see like this post that kind of spins around, and it's got like a bunch of body parts that are bloody yeah. and ri- have been ripped off. One honestly it. looks like someone's back and butt. Yeah, yeah, I think there is. But like it's mm-hmm. too small. It looks like a gummy butt. Like, yes. If you've ever seen those like things you can send your friends on like Instagram and it's, it's like a chocolate butt and it says eat my ass on it. No. I get weird ads on Instagram. Oh. I yeah. think I'm I think I'm letting you guys know a little bit too much about what I search for. Yeah. Or what you talk about. The slowly <laughs> unfolding like chronicles of Todd's search history. I'm going to go ahead and just change this. So Jen, where did, <laughs> what, uh, what, what happens next, Jen? So we've got this post spinning and it's got body parts nailed to it and right. like hooked to it. And there's blood and like pieces of skin all over the floor. And we see Pinhead and I love him so much. He's Why? one of my favorite parts of this movie. What? Because yeah, he's so cool. What? He's got pins in his head. Yeah, but that doesn't make him cool. And he says cool stuff. Does he? He yes. has better lines than the other characters. That's true. Everything he says is insane. I know, and awesome. I love oh. it. Everything everyone says in this movie is insane. <laughs> All right, That's you know what? true. What you're saying is he was gaslit into saying these ridiculous <laughs> things. But so we see him walking around, and they're like piecing together parts of a face on the floor. And I realize now, the movie Face Off ripped off so many <laughs> horror movies from the 80s. I know, man. Um, All right, so we see Pinhead walking around all awesome, and he goes and, like, sifts through all the skin and puts the face back together, and then he picks up the circle box, and he starts delighting and rubbing the circle (laughs) at the top of it. Um, Yeah, it is very sexual, yeah. (laughs) So he's slowly circling the top of the box, and then everything starts to get smaller, (laughs) and everything disappears. Maybe it's cold. You don't know, Jen. Well, it's true. It could be cold. I mean, there's a lot of blood around. I can never figure out those puzzle boxes. Like, which way do you (laughs) You turn? You just have to ask the puzzle box what it wants. Which way do you rub it? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes puzzle puzzle boxes aren't communicative. Well, maybe they just don't want you rubbing them. That's fair. 
All right. We all, we all learned a lesson about That's puzzle right. boxes, guys. Uh, all right. So the puzzle box goes back into its protective puzzle box shell. And then everything disappears and it's a happy house again. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say it's a happy, it's a happy house. house. It's, it's a gross like, house. Yeah, it's a real gross house. But it's not a skin body part house anymore. No, it's not. But it's not a house that you would just move into. No, no one should move into it. Let me just it. ask this before we get into the moving in scene. It's a family owned house, right? Yes. So Larry and Frank's mom own that house, right? And then yes. she died. Mm-hmm. Frank was squatting there and doing weird sex rituals there uh-huh. with, with his pleasure bo- puzzle box. As you do in your mom's <laughs> attic. Yeah, yeah, listen, that's where I would go. And then Frank dies, quote unquote, or whatever. He disappears. And then, they don't know where he is. Sure. Because he goes to hell. Or does he? Uh. Uh, and then Larry moves in with his wife, who also really misses Frank. Yes, and we're going to find out about that a little bit later. But oh, they're yeah, walking around, and the house is just so weird. It's and they're, gross. Yeah, they, but it's been a ban- it's been empty for like ten years since the mom. Died. So what I don't know is when Frank disappeared into hell, and then when Larry and his wife show up to move in. Yeah, I'm not sure what that timeline yeah, is. Two days later. It could be two days, or it could be seven years. It like could you be. don't know. It's a maggot and- cycle time. <laughs> So. Yeah, I mean, there was like gross food and stuff there. I don't right. know. Right. Yeah, but it's been empty for long enough for it to be disgusting. Right. But so they did, they're deciding whether they want to move in. And Julia doesn't at first, but Larry does because I guess it's better than Brooklyn or whatever. And so they're kind of wandering around. <laughs> A line that said nine times in the movie. Yeah. Right. Well, I love Brooklyn, although Brooklyn now is great. I don't know what Brooklyn was like in the 80s. Oh, no, I don't let's, know. Let's move into this house with holes in the walls and like charred fire. And maggots? Yeah. And, like, weird neon altars of, like, very religious statues. Yeah. There's a Jesus statue just in a closet that Mm -hmm. falls out at a certain point. Frank was Catholic. Um, So while they're looking around, Kirstie calls on the phone, and she says she doesn't want to live in this house. She's found her own Yeah, Kirstie's the daughter, right? Kirstie, yeah. Kirstie. Kirstie. Kirstie? Kirstie? I thought it was Chrissy. It's Kirstie. So Kirstie calls. She calls. She does not want to stay in this house. She's found her own room. And she doesn't ever really say why, but I think there might be some hints to that later. We also don't really find out really where that room is, but it seems like it's just at that dude's house. Yeah. Mm. Or maybe she was just spending the night because she slept with him. Right. We'll, we'll get to that scene. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but you don't know. Hold you on. don't know. The first 20 minutes of this movie, we talked about this. The acting is so terrible. And like people are like giving long looks at each other. And yeah. I was like, it's like we just started watching a telenovela with like 20 years history. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it does feel like the movie started 40 minutes before it actually started. And we just didn't get to watch the first 40 minutes they filmed. Right. But Clive Barker was like, oh, I was doing too much coke and forgot to put film in the camera, so we're just going to fuck mm. off with that first 40 minutes and we'll pick up in the middle of the There's a lot of, of one character asking another character a question and then that character looking off into space for like five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think that all kind of, and I mean, I don't think it's necessarily the best acting or writing, but what I think it is is showing there's just tension in this family. Julie is not really very happy in yeah, this I relationship. Mean, I, I feel like once you've watched the whole movie, the tension at the beginning makes sense. Right, so right, like, right. I, that didn't really bother me that much, but when I was first watching it, I was like, what is going on? Yeah, it does just kind of feel like you're dropped into the middle of this yeah. family. Which is fine, whatever. Like, right. Did you want to move in this house? And she's like, not really. And yeah. he's like, please. And she's like, fine. Well, she well she doesn't want to move in until she goes upstairs and finds Frank's suitcase full of porn. Yeah, and then oh, she's yeah. like, then she's into Wait, it. Wait, jackpot. Was she right. the person in those photos? No, I think it was somebody else. It was somebody else. Because that would be a real power move to leave just porn pictures of you with your brother's wife. I'll say this. Someone was holding the camera. There's no reason to expect that it wasn't Larry holding the camera and they just share Larry's wife. <laughs> Ooh, I don't think that's don't how think it so. happened. Not my Larry. No. <laughs> Hashtag not my Larry, guys. Uh, well, so now Julia's into it and she does want to move into the house. Yeah, she is. Okay, so now they say, let's move in Sunday. That'll be enough time to clear all these maggots out. <laughs> yeah, there's, this is the dirtiest house I've ever seen. It'll be fine by 
by Saturday. Yeah. This Sunday or whatever. This is the worst house I've seen in a movie we've moved into. And that's really? saying something. It's worse is. than Conjuring. It's worse than Sinister. It's worse than... I think when you just say it's the worst house we've ever seen, you don't have to list all the houses we've seen. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So now it's moving day. Hooray. Yes. And so we have two lecherous movers that are going to be helping and checking out all of the women in are the Are they house. helping or are they just like... Oggling all of the women and asking for beer. Yeah, they're helping themselves to some good memories for later. But so, and this is when it's just real tense because we're not exactly sure what everybody's upset about, but it's just kind of uncomfortable. But it really is just Larry and Julia moving in, right? The two movers, and then Kirsty comes over. Yeah, yeah, well, not before walking underneath a crane by the river in the wind of outsideness. <laughs> and we find out now that a crane, Mikey. Well, first, it's a really dramatic slow walk, and it she's is. like staring up at the crane. And I was like, a crane's a device and a bird. <laughs> and Jen and I like looked over and just <laughs> lost it because it was well, a ridiculous thing. Facts. Yeah, because I was like, what is her internal dialogue? Like, we and have also, no idea what she's supposed to be. Yeah, staring. why like, are we seeing that right. at this point in the movie? We don't know the relationship. We don't know that Julia's her stepmom or uh, whatever. It did kind of make me want to go outside and have a nice day, though. Says the woman whose sweater right now says indoorsy. But yeah. True. <laughs> Maybe I'll just live vicariously through other people who go outside. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Christy gets to the house and the people are all weird around her. She walked from Brooklyn. <laughs> Walking from Brooklyn. So she walks in and the lecherous movers are real gross and saying, does she have her mother's looks? And she says, her mother's dead. Yeah. And that's how we find out that the mother's dead. <laughs> and I love this scene because that is something I would say. Right. Yep. And I would get that thrown in my face. And the other guy just sits there and laughs. And I was like, that is Mikey and me. If we were lecherous <laughs> movers. Can confirm. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta shoot your shot, bro. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Try and make it work. But is this when Julia goes upstairs and she tears a picture of Frank? That's what she tears, it is. Yeah. Tears the woman out of the picture of Frank, not <sighs> fucking another woman that she found. Right. Because it's not her. And she's exactly. jealous. She is. Yeah. Well, and now we see a flashback of it feels like straight out of a porn. Like, I I literally <laughs> looked over at Jen and said, are we watching an 80s porn? And I was like, well, sort of, maybe. <laughs> kind of. Knock, 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 knock. And she opens the door and it's pouring down rain and Frank's just covered it. And uh-huh. he's like, I'm Frank. Yeah. He looks like somebody who's cosplaying Prince. Yeah. So the artist formerly known as Frank shows up <laughs> and he, he like walks in soaking wet, asks uh-huh. for a towel, and then they immediately get to Plowtown. Like after a couple of minutes, but the sexual tension is there it's right palpable. away. It is palpable. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. You're all wet. Yes. It's raining. <laughs> This movie. Do you know what that's from? This movie, from it's from Hellraiser. Oh, no, it is. You're right. Yeah. Damn it, Janet. I love that. <laughs> what did Jane got to do? But he basically says that. Yeah, absolutely. Kirsty's asking for a towel at that point, too. And Julia's like, fuck you. I got to have a sexual fantasy. So yeah. she goes up to the attic room which was the room that Frank got soul torn apart in. And she starts now she can really kind of enjoy her flashback. Oh yeah. And we see that she's got longer hair and Frank there upstairs. And he's like, well, what are we going to do now? And she's like, well, I don't know. What should we do? But it looks like, like he's real aggressive and she's, yeah. Seems kind of uncomfortable. He pulls a knife on her he and does. cuts her negligee. Yes, well, but her also- shirt was off already at that point. That doesn't mean you can whip out your knife and cut her negligee. What is your life like? <laughs> I think I'm starting to understand why you're having a little trouble with the ladies. <laughs> I'm just. 
I didn't get a sh- Put the knife away, Mike. I yeah. wanted to see the small talk that led to her shirt coming off first. I'm yeah, not that sure was important. <laughs> that's you know, in the Clive Barker verse, that's what I wanted to see. Because right. <laughs> I've noticed that he's real good with that kind of dialogue. They skipped the seduction and got right to the weird shit. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, she probably just went to the linen closet and got a towel, and he's like, ooh. Fluffy. <laughs> I have such towels to dry you with. <laughs> she goes to the linen closet and comes back without a shirt on. Right. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah you can have my shirt I'll just to dry. That's what happens <laughs> in the Mikey cut of the movie. Yeah. yeah. But it's really aggressive, and it's she does not seem like she's she's kind of into it, but she feels uncomfortable. And he grabs her and like makes out with her chin. Oh, their first uh. kiss. If I am to believe that this is their first kiss. He misses her lips completely and plants one on her chin, like bottom lip under chin, upper lip over chin. Yeah. What is that? It's called strap. It's my move. Mikey, I'm continuing to see why you're having a little trouble with the ladies. Mm -hmm. That's our real catchphrase. (laughs) Uh, And so this is what I was talking about when I said this is, I like talking about this movie. Full disclosure, I have chin-strapped Natalie as a joke, (laughs) but never in intimate moments. Like, we'll just be like cooking or whatever, and we're just like being silly, and I'll like chin-strap her real quick. Making chin strap a thing? It now? is a thing, it's Jen. A thing, Jen. Jen, Jen chin it was already a thing. Oh, gross. Guys, if you're I'm out not... there listening to this, go home to your significant other and chin strap them. We are not responsible for what happens after you but do I that. But I want to know. Honestly, get video of it and send it to us. I want to know what chin strap does. Ooh. <laughs> I want video to show me. Yeah, absolutely. Make a chin strap tape. This is the week of Valentine's Day. Oh, God. But don't ever make a tape. This is part of why I think this is such an interesting movie to talk about because Julia is a really like complex character and I think there's a lot of ways that you could see her because right now I think she's kind of the victim in this scene and she's being taken advantage of. Now, I don't think that they're... There, she is not being assaulted, but there is a very like clear power dynamic here. It's consensual, though, right? Well, but it feels real kind of. It feels real rapey, and I. Yeah, just I don't, mean, that's fair. He pulls right. a knife on her. He does have a knife, but I mean, I don't know. It continues like the the their relationship, the affair continues, right? right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and the the feeling I got from it was that he is just very like sexual, and she's kind of curious about that, and kind of. And I'm not saying that this is not a consensual. I'm not saying this I'm is sorry. a relationship. Consexual, Consexual is such a good Consexual. word, though. Consexual. <laughs> Holy shit. Okay. Happy accident. I'm not saying this is not consensual. I'm saying there is a knife there, and it's just uncomfortable. She does not seem like she is fully into it. Do you think it's played in the movie like it is non-consensual sex? No. Or do you think it's played like it's consensual sex, and it's just a little kinky, because there's a little knife play, which yeah, is a thing. It is, yeah. yeah. And if you're into that, that's wonderful. Be but make, safe. Be safe and, and get yeah, consent. But do it. Yeah. Whatever, yeah. I could do it. I'm too clumsy. I'd probably kill someone. You ever seen Very Bad Things, Mikey? Yeah. So the next thing she does is she lays down on her own wedding dress. That's so weird. And that is a power move. Yeah. Yeah, because they were just talking about how she is marrying his brother. Yeah. Oh, and this is before they got married? Yeah, it I'm is. Not, it's, I think it's right before. It's got to be. Her wedding dress is yeah. on her bed. It's probably the next day. I think Billy Idol has a song about this. No, I think, <laughs> Isn't I mean, that white wedding? keep their wedding dress. Yeah, I've got mine They don't still. keep it out. Do you put yours on your bed? 
for Valentine's Day. No, but Day. I mean, like, if you're going to have an Anyway, so she lays down on her wedding dress, and then they fuck. Yes. And while this is happening, while, I don't want to say while she is getting nailed, but that's what's happening. Yeah, I mean, both Larry and Julia are getting nailed at the same time in this movie. Yes. And they're both going to need a tetanus shot. Ooh, I mean, so <laughs> the movers and Larry are backing a mattress up. Yeah, they're trying to get up the steps because yeah. that is a very narrow yeah, By like, the way, staircase. I'm hiring movers. They're moving. I'm not moving. Yeah. Well, but these, these movers are gross. And they're drunk. So anyways, he's backing the mattress up and she's really into it. And we just said it was a little creepy, but she is. I got the impression, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. That's fine. But I got the impression that she was turned on by the knife play and she was into it. I think so too and I think it's kind of it made her a little uncomfortable but she was also really curious and that's kind of a theme in this movie of like the dangerous side of sexuality you know. Oh and there is a dangerous side. (laughs) But get consent all the time. Oh yeah. I make people uncomfortable and then they get curious but it's not like a sexual thing it's just like like the opposite of the spectrum. They're like what is wrong with that guy? (laughs) But like I kind (laughs) of like him. (laughs) Yeah. That's our relationship. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, he's backing the mattress up and there's a nail just sticking out of the wall. Like it's just begging to nail some hands. So he gets nailed in the hand. He it, does. It's real gross because it's in like the webbing between your thumb and your finger. Oh, Ugh. yeah. And it's deep. Yep. I had to Just look like away. Frank. Yeah. Ugh. The flashbacks are kind of cutting in and out. And then we see Frank and Julia afterwards. And it seems like he's not super satisfied. And he's saying it's never enough. And Julia's saying, I'll do anything that you want. And I think this is going to kind of play into Frank's character a little bit and why he's so curious about the puzzle box because just them having sex like the dangerousness of this sex even though it's with his soon-to-be sister-in-law on top of her wedding dress like he needs more excitement and the actual relationship is not enough he needs more danger we've all been there where you get done and you stand up you're like I need more Ah, this ain't working it's never enough never enough yeah and the girl is like I'll do anything you want. Oh. I gotta go home. My dog is gonna go out. I think we're continuing to see why you're having trouble yeah. with the ladies. <laughs> I can relate. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> and look, we're talking about a lot of kinky stuff in this I'm movie. I'm trying to make some jokes. It is a very sexual movie. It is. But, and listen, you start out having sex with somebody and then you keep adding on layers and layers and layers and elements and elements and elements and whatever. Just All like, that to say, we don't want to kink shame you. If no. You're, it's, and I mean that seriously. Like, kink if, is the best. Do whatever you want. Just make sure you're safe. Make sure everyone on the relationship is clear about the goals and make sure you get consent. I have some books I can recommend. Why do you keep kink shaming me? (laughs) I'm not. Yeah. What what if my kink is like ruining relationships? (laughs) Your kink is a fear of commitment. (laughs) 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 You just love the pain. I mean... Is it a little sadomasochist? (laughs) Mikey gets his biggest sexual release by not returning the text message. (laughs) (laughs) Delete. (sighs) (laughs) It feels like <laughs> Block. Uh. Dude. So now Frank has got blood all over his hand and he walks up and he's all queasy. And Frank's a big baby. It, well, I mean, his hand got almost, like, his thumb almost got cut off. And yeah, it's, so it's a gross. real deep cut. He's probably lost a lot of blood. In fact, we see him losing a lot we of blood, do. like, it's on the wood paneling. The yeah. Yeah, like, get, like, a bandage or something. Just don't wander around the house looking for your wife. <laughs> he does go upstairs. Right? Like, he, he doesn't go to the kitchen where there probably yeah, is some the right. sink and, like, put water on yeah. it. Yeah. Well, because he has to go upstairs into the murder Frank room yeah, so he can God. splash blood all over the right, floor. Right, so he can reawaken. <laughs> Reawaken <laughs> It's not at all what I meant to say. Oh my god. This episode is the breast the, the <laughs> 
Oh my god. Somebody oh Freud my god. Freud is our guest host on this podcast. Oh my god. So yeah, Frank has to go into the murder room so that he can reawaken the person formerly known as Frank. This is an insane episode. This is. This is uh, as above, so below all over again. Oh my god. He goes up there, drips the blood all over the floor. Mm-hmm. Julia bandages his hand more or less, takes him downstairs to his daughter and she's like, get him out of here. He needs stitches. Yeah. Because she's like a loving wife. So she's like, someone else take care of this so I can go back to my masturbatory dream. About and your brother. Then, yeah, about, about your brother. <laughs> and then he, she goes back into the murder slash sex dungeon room. She doesn't go back into it yet. Oh, I thought she does. I think they all go to the hospital. No, this is when we start to see the blood seeping through and we see underneath. That's right. Yeah, we see like a heart beating. Yeah. So the floorboards start shaking. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. And we were like, what is happening? And then uh-huh. pus starts to come through the floor and I was like, are we about to get slimed because it looks yeah. like that same effect they use for like Slimer and, yeah, Ghostbusters. and Ghostbusters uh-huh. too right let me just say it was real fun watching this movie with you guys because you had no clue what was going to happen and no. every time no. something like because now we see like a bone just shoot up through the floor and then another bone shoot up through we the floor we both lost it laughing yeah we were like <laughs> what <laughs> it was funny I mean it was also real gross this scene looks pretty good for what was it 86 it does yeah yes. it came on 86 87 oh sorry and it's practical effects which of yeah. course in the 80s it looks pretty good though it does. There's some stop motion stuff that they could obviously smooth out better now, but I think it looks pretty good. I do too. You see like the whole spinal column and the rib cage and the mm-hmm. brain and all of that stuff. It looks great. Yeah, and and you see rats like freaking out. Yeah. And so what, yeah. it's a body coming up from the floorboards and it's like the top of a skeleton covered in goo now. Yes. And it's really gross and I am not super crazy about how gross this movie is. That's one of the things that I don't love it about gross. it. This, I honestly like do not react super high to gore and stuff like that mm-hmm. this is probably the highest reaction I've had to that yeah because there's a lot of it and it's real there gross is. yeah and it's a lot to do with skin and yes. I don't like I don't like that either being skinless or seeing veins so now we got the top half of a skeleton but it's dinner party time. Yeah, let's go downstairs and have a dinner party. And Kirsty, I think what who will find out her boyfriend is also at this party. Is that his boyfriend? Is that her boyfriend? I think so. I got the impression that they weren't dating yet, but they develop a relationship over the course of this movie. Yeah. Maybe there was like a general no, he interest spends there. Spends night with her tonight after the dinner I party. I think huh? she, I think the room she's staying in when she calls her dad at the very beginning is his room. Wow. Yeah, but so she Julia's just giving him the eye over the table, and it's a little bit of a crazy eye. And Julia's not into this party at all, and she wants to leave, but the but Larry does not. They're well, the having, guests are all in there like, why would you move into this like dilapidated house? Yeah, this yeah. house is horrible. Why are you serving me maggots? Why are there no lights? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and yeah. then Julia stands up and says, oh, I'm going to go upstairs to bed. Exactly, but she doesn't. She goes upstairs to Attic Frank room. Which was always the plan. But exactly. I mean, before she does it, her husband, Larry, is like, is everything all right? You feeling okay? Like, he yeah. seems like a pretty decent he guy. He does, yeah. Except for the first scene when they're moving in, he's sort of a real big dick about the beer. Everything else, he's like super nice. Right. Well, so she goes upstairs and she sees rats playing. Oh, she's hearing a heartbeat. Yeah. And she sees rats playing around in this goo. And then she gets grabbed on the leg by Frank's old goopy hand. Right. Which is, that's one of the creepiest parts of this movie, I think. Yeah. Because then we see him like crawling with his half body, like crawling across the floor to her. And we don't know what's going on yet because we don't know it's Frank. And he's saying, don't look at me. It's really one of the only jump scares in the movie. Yeah. But so now he's like, I'm hideous, but I'm also Frank. And so now. I also love that he was like, don't look at me. And then immediately right. next he says, help me. Right. Like, How am I supposed to help if I can't look at you? Mm-hmm. But I mean, what he wants her to do is kill people for him. Right, right. He needs the blood on the floor brought him back. So now yes. he needs more, I need blood. more blood. Is it blood? 
I think it's just body, blood, okay. bodies, anything. Because I got the impression he was like sucking out so like their life force or the something. Puzzle box. He escaped from the Cenobites. Yes, wherever the Cenobites are. I don't think they're in the puzzle box though. Yeah, I think they're. They're in like because the puzzle box opens the dimension to wherever the Cenobites. Yeah, the Cenobites. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. I really want to see Pinhead with like a Cinnabon outfit on <laughs> behind the counter at a Cinnabon. Make that happen. We have such buns to show you. <laughs> we will tear your taste buds apart. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Someone's got to make that. Oh my God. Well, so, but now that Julia finds out it's Frank, she's into it, even though he is Wait. disgusting. Look, pause. This is where the movie falls apart. What are you, Zach Morris? I, do, I am. You do keep timing out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, she walks upstairs and it's like a melty skeleton of her ex-lover and she's yeah. like alright so no questions yeah he we was, had sex a few times I'll do whatever you want me to <laughs> I yeah, mean that's not how it worked let me tell you <laughs> he's that good yeah he's got that devil penis magic well but I also think like it's exciting too and I think we Is can it? see with, well I mean it's something different I don't think she's really happy with Larry you know so, I don't think oh she's no really she's not happy with Larry not happy with Larry she's like yeah I'll fuck the melty skeleton in the oh, attic. Well, no, she doesn't want to fuck him she yet. She wants to murder people for him. Yeah, which is weird. There's other options. And that's what I'm telling you. I think he's got some kind of level of control yeah, over her. It's that devil penis magic. Well, and also, like, he's just very, like, assertive and aggressive yeah. because he's, like, commanding her to do these things. He's not saying, will you please help me? He's like, you're going to help me and we're going to be together forever and then we're going to fuck all the time. Okay, so Christy and her boyfriend are now walking home through the dirtiest tunnel of subways. Um, you you mean Tunnel 4? The Tunnel, tunnel four, of Love? Are we in New England? Like, what is this? No, this is definitely shot in London. I think they're trying to make it seem like it's New York, but it's not at all in New York. It yes. is London, for sure. So, fun fact early. This was written in London, shot in London, about London. Clive Barker is from the UK. Yeah. Um, and then halfway through the production, the backers or the financers wanted it to be set in America. But that's why it seems like it's kind of a little out of place, which I actually kind of like because the story is just kind of so Bonkers. Disjointed, exactly. And, yeah, I mean, it Out sort of, of works. Is, yeah, uh, yeah. It just it, there's there's like a real surreal quality to Absolutely. the whole movie, and I think it kind of works in its favor. You know, I agree. Okay, so they're walking through this really dirty subway, um, and just kind of being cool and flirty. And is I this think, the first time they see the guy experiencing homelessness? Yeah, I've been calling him Alley Man, or should we just call him Skeleton Dragon? Skeleton. I mean, because Skeletodactyl. Skeletodactyl. Oh my god, he looks like he looks like the Gorton's fish guy, the fish sticks. Oh my god, he does. But like if that guy was experiencing homelessness. Yes. Yeah. And lived, yeah. yeah and instead of a yellow crickets. coat, it's like brown. Yeah. And dirty. He's like Allie Gordon. Is he from an alley? And he's a good, oh. oh, maybe he's one of the fishers. <laughs> he's like, he's like Gordon's fish sticks brother, but it's like rat sticks. Oh. oh. Rat stick. So we see a man who's experiencing homelessness who may or may not be what he appears to be just kind of <laughs> leering at them. And then they just move on and make out in the middle of this probably pretty unsafe tunnel. Uh, it's the city, Jen. There's oh. big people everywhere. Oh, sorry. Gotta, except, except, we don't see except we don't see any other people anywhere <laughs> right. except for the two th of them and the Gordon's fisherman guy. But so now we see Julia laying in bed with Larry and Larry's asleep and Julia's having flashbacks of fucking Frank. She's remembering how good it was. So this is when she goes upstairs to say, sure, I'll help you. Yeah, she's like, listen, I told you I'll do whatever you want. And we did see her say that. Yeah. And it's kind of that like trying to seek approval from a man. And that's why I think it feels a little uncomfortable is that it's not that it's not consensual. It's just that there's a weird power dynamic at play. But, like, also, 
don't kill someone for somebody. Yes, no. But like if your partner wants to try something and you're like, yeah, I'll try that. That seems okay. Mm-hmm. Then but, that's a different thing. But don't hurt other people. If you're really willing to experiment, that's fine. But if you're uncomfortable with something your partner is asking you to do, it's okay to say no. And if your partner won't listen to you when you say no. Then he shouldn't be your partner. Exactly. Or she or whoever. Yes, Sorry. Yeah, I just yeah. assumed yeah, that they, they were pressuring to be a dude. And pushing and pushing. It's like, that's not respectful. Exactly. But listen, but listen like make a tape, right? No, it's Valentine's man. Day. <laughs> when all that to say it's okay to say no if you're not comfortable or something. So she goes upstairs and tells Frank, okay, I'm into it now. And then we see Christy having some kind of having a bad dream. Like there's it looks like someone threw a goose down pillow into a big industrial fan because like the the feathers are like blown out everywhere and they're like falling, right? Yeah. And then she sees like a guy covered in a sheet and then you see that sheet sort of fill with blood Uh and she's like like, baby crying. Oh yeah, uh, the whole time. Yeah. And then she starts to scream. She wakes up this is when we realized she's like she's like covered in sweat and mm-hmm. this is when we realized that she went home with that guy from the subway <laughs> boyfriend they probably had sex and then they slept in different single beds right well and this is insane it, i mean <laughs> how do people do it in london he lives in his like where in the place he grew up in yeah but his brother moved out there's koala posters <laughs> all over the wall <laughs> <laughs> uh, his mom says, everything okay in here? She's like, oh. He's like, these used to be bunk beds, but we separated them. Yeah, because oh. we want our own space. <laughs> There's like a line of tape down the floor because it's his brother's side, but he's out of town. Did you have a nightmare? This Christy flashback, or this dream that we're seeing, it feels real out of place. And I was reading a little bit about this, and I'm not exactly sure what the intention for this is, but I think I've heard theories that it is meant to imply that she was molested by Frank. I don't think that's a baby crying. I think that's a child crying. Well, I mean, that would sort of make sense, right? It would, yeah, yeah. And so if we oh. see, like, maybe that's why she didn't want to move into the house, because she's got bad memories from being there. Because when the blanket comes off, it's what we see later. It's the father's skin over Frank. It's like the Frank Larry, you know? Interesting. And so I and I don't know if that's something that was intended, but I think that's a way that you could read this. Yeah, story. I mean, I really wish that they had pulled that off because that actually makes a lot of the movie make makes, more sense. Well, maybe it was just the time, like at the time in the, in the early 80s, they just didn't talk about that stuff. Well, yeah, yeah, but they didn't really shoot that either. Like what we, right. like, like you what have you're to seeing, that, yeah, that. you're but having I mean, to dig into the movie to see, see that. I see it very easily, especially with that night that nightmare scene because- Frank is a predator. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah, clearly. And there's a lot of flower imagery that could be taken as like a loss of virginity or like corruption or something. So, yeah. And And then Frank's got the flower tattoo on him. He does have the flower tattoo on him. he's confronting her. Uh That I will openly admit I thought was a Pikachu tattoo. (laughs) Then then we thought it was a Charmander. Yeah, Yeah. we had no idea. And we settled on flower, so, you know, we're still not exactly sure. But yeah, so I'm not necessarily saying I think that's there. I'm saying that's one way that you could read it. And I think it makes it a little more Well, he has a lot of creepy dialogue with her, so it makes sense. He does. Yeah, he says, come to daddy a lot. I wonder what happened to the mother. And we don't ever find out. Um, But we know that she's not in the picture. And there's this like real wicked stepmother quality to Julia. I don't know. I got the impression that their relationship, Larry and Julia, was relatively new. Like maybe they were newly-ish wed. Uh-huh. Um, but maybe they've been dating for like two years or whatever. But she didn't have a really good relationship with Kirsty. But it didn't seem like it was bad necessarily at the mm-hmm. beginning. Just that there wasn't much of one. Because right. Larry even asks her to spend some time with Julia. 
his right. daughter, mm-hmm. right, to spend time with Julia. And then she's like, sure, I'll, I'll spend time with her, try to develop a relationship. That's fine. So it seems like she's open and receptive to that. Like, nothing bad has happened yet, but nothing has really happened yet. Right. She does become an evil stepmother she towards does. the end of the movie, well, yes. because I think Frank is like a corrupting factor. Sure. And so now we see her in her 80s power suit, and she's going out to a bar, and she's getting hit on, and she brings a guy back to her place. This scene made me uncomfortable, which it, I'm sure it's supposed uh-huh. to, so like, it's effective. But he starts kissing her, and she's not really... She doesn't really want to have sex with him. She uncomfortable. Well, she doesn't want to have sex with him. Exactly. She is bringing him there to kill him. Well, yeah, who wants to kill somebody? Right. Well, and also, like, she's not into this guy. She doesn't want to hook up with him. I got more the impression that she just didn't want to hook up with him. She was fine to kill him. Yeah. But she was not okay to... She's like Julia Roberts in Pretty Woman. (laughs) She's like, don't kiss me on the lips. Uh What makes me uncomfortable about this scene, and I think this is something that we're, like, finally starting to talk about is that she seems to be upset and he gets mad and it's like, you're not changing your mind, are you, bitch? Oh, and yeah. I'm not exactly sure if he says that, but that's the tone. I think tone. he says something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, and just, but it's very aggressive. Like, this is what you brought me here for, right? We're doing it now. And I just want to say, like, you're allowed to change your mind. At any point. At any point in the If you're thing, in yes. the bedroom and you're going to get a towel and come back with your shirt off, like, yep. you can still say no. Uh-huh. Yeah, at any point. And we're going to see that. you can a li- say no. You can, yeah. yes. Even if it's your husband. Yeah. Yeah. Or, your or your wife, wife or, or your whatever. intimate partner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. yeah. marital rape is a real thing. And a problem. And we're, yes, it is. And we're going to see that a little bit later when Julia and Larry are together and she is uncomfortable and asking him to stop. So we can just go ahead and talk about it now. Like at any point in any relationship that you're having, you are allowed to say no. There is nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. And it is okay to do it. And if your partner has a problem with it, then that should be a problem in your relationship. It and is you need a problem. To address it. Yeah. yeah. So now she's pulled asshole guy up into the attic murder room and talking about well, this isn't the bedroom, is it? And so they're about to get down on the. We floor. don't need a bed. Yeah, get down on it. Yeah, <laughs> get down on it on the floor. Well, and she, he's like, let me take off my pants. Yeah, why the tide is. Uh, why the tide is are gross. They are. No <laughs> adult man should wear. That well, and what's so interesting about this movie is that there's no male gaze. Like the nudity is mostly from men, you know. And there is some feminine nudity. There but is, you're right. yeah, but it's never like really objectified. It's just kind of presented in this sexual yeah. scenario. It's not usable nudity, exactly, right? from either side. To be honest with you, but then he says he has to pee. This is when he finds out the door's unlocked. So she smacks him a couple of times with a hammer, like in the face, and his yeah, jaw, that jaw gets all is gross. so. That jaw <sighs> makeup is so impressively gross. Yeah, it's gross and like being hit with a hammer is one of my like top scariest ways to die so. you no longer get hammered exactly yeah <laughs> you got nailed well he was already hammered before he got there <laughs> right. and then he got hammered again oh i like how she attic. like pick a hammer and just keeps in the attic to kill people first yeah that's right it has its own weapon. little hook for it to <laughs> yes. hang on like yeah yeah because she's a lady yeah <laughs> but so we start to see frank crawling over to the body and then she gets out of there and Don't look at me <laughs> right. oh, yeah God, i'm yeah. hideous that's how that's i yelled that at women when i'm eating too oh don't watch me <laughs> I'm starting to see why you have trouble <laughs> with the ladies. My mom once told me, like, if a girl could survive eating chicken wings with me, then, like, she'd probably marry She's me. She's a keeper? Yeah. Oh. Mikey <laughs> single ladies. Oh, it's like, no. <laughs> I'll come back later. So what I think is really interesting about this next scene is that she goes into the bathroom and she's got this blood all over her face. Because she committed a murder. She did, yeah. yeah. And I think she's kind of, like, reckoning with this because now she's crossed a line that she can't come back from. Yeah, you know? that she can't undo. Yeah, but she's looking straight. It looks like she's looking 
looking into the camera, but she's looking into a mirror. And I just mm-hmm. think it's interesting, like the the arc that her character has in this movie. So she comes back in and Frank, she's probably hoping that Frank's all better now and they can start like doing it in the attic. Right. But, but no, he's still bony. He's not. Yeah, he is bony. He's got flesh on him and it's super gross. But it now is. he can walk around. Right. He says like every drop of blood you spill puts more flesh on my bones. So it's kind of like a reverse Frankenstein kind of thing. Sort of. She's and Mary Shelley in this situation. She yeah, is. sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he needs more people. Yeah. And he gets real gross. He wants to touch her, but he doesn't have any skin and it's gross. He tries to put his hand in her mouth. Yeah. Ugh. Which is something that one of the pinheads do later. Or sorry, yes. Cinnabites. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I love putting Cinnabites in my mouth. So good. Mm-hmm. And so, but he says, come to daddy yep. now. <laughs> and he puts his bloody no skin hand on her boob, just like we saw him do in one of the flashbacks. And this is the one, one of the things that really disturbs me about this movie because you see him touching things without skin and the blood getting on that because it's not blood from a wound it's just blood from him not having skin now they're upstairs in larry's home so she just like covers this gross skinless body or not no she picks it up and walks out of the room yes and they have like this almost i'm gonna say meat cute although it's not that in the hallway where she gets into the like she dumps the body somewhere and then gets into the bathroom and then he is like calling out for her and then gets to the bathroom and says hey honey are you in there and she's like She's like, yeah, I don't feel great. Would you mind getting me something? Or no, and a then brandy. he and then he he offers to get her something. He's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, do you want me to get you something? And she's like, yeah, get me some alcohol. Yeah, a brandy. I'm no, but don't bring it to me. I'll meet you downstairs. Right. Yeah. 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 But I think he's just kind of a good guy, and I feel really bad for him in the story because I, I mean, I, I think he's a good guy in, in this section of the movie. But at the beginning, yeah. he's sort of a dick, well, like forcing yeah. her to move in. Uh, Super mean about the beer stuff, and then now he's sort of nice. Maybe they so were having problems, and I like think he thought too. the move would help, and then like mm. she shuts down. He, but he's like a good dad throughout. Consistently. Yeah, I yes, think so. I'll agree with that. And mm. I, I think a lot of those problems stems from the fact that she's just not really happy in the marriage, and he can feel that. Yeah, you know mm. that she cheated on him with. You know his brother, yeah, yeah. right. The exactly. human formerly known as Frank, and she'll never be satisfied with just Larry because she right. always wants that Frank. She's always wanting that Frank and D. Frank and D, nice. Okay, so she goes back into the attic, and he's saying that he's hurting and he's starting to feel again. Yeah, his um, nerve endings are coming back. Yeah, and he says, "I've got to get more skin because these cinnabites are going to come get me." And we don't find out what the cinnabites are yet. We've seen them, but Julia yeah. has no idea what he's talking about. Right? He's asking her to like commit to him and kind of manipulating her a little bit. This was their marriage scene in my mind. Right. I, although she's already married, but this is like where they commit to be together and make this work together forever. And I wrote down what he said because I thought it was so interesting. He said, "They be- we belong together now, like love, only real. <laughs> oh, that is just- dialogue from this movie. It <laughs> is. But this is when she starts sucking on his gross skinless finger, Ugh. like before. Ugh, and it's just so gross. gross. So now we get Christy working at her pet store job. Yeah. And this is when we see a weird woman who clearly her voice has been overdubbed to be an American woman. And probably because she sounds British as hell and they right. want to make it American exactly. or whatever. Yeah. But then we see the alley man back. What do we call it? His name is Mr. Gordon's, oh, Fish Mr. Gordon's man. Fisherman Man, yeah. who's experiencing homelessness and he's real hungry and he's reaching his hand into the cricket cage and pulling it out and eating the crickets it's so yeah that's what skeleton dragons eat apparently (laughs) i had no boyfriend who had frogs in a terrarium where is this going (laughs) well no he would get crickets from the pet store and come back and feed feed the frogs that makes sense yeah yeah yeah. it was really gross you dated the bottom of the barrel it sounds like (laughs) Yep. Okay, so he's eating all the crickets, and it's it's really gross. And then there's some kind of weird, we hear the flapping of wings, 
and we see just bird cages with white smoke there. And so I guess Allie, Mr. Gordon, is gone. Yeah, that was him flying away. Right, because he's he a skeleton. He must have transitioned into the skeleton dragon and flown away. Skeledactyl, that's right. But so now we see Julia has brought home another guy, and we see kind of like a montage set to working for the weekend while Julia... Everybody's fucking for the weekend. Get your hammer out, it's done to Skull fucked with a hammer. Ew. Well, so, but she's starting to kind of get into her rhythm and feel a little more powerful. Because she's sitting in a chair and she's kind of smiling, and she's starting to be styled a little more, like, evilly looking. I think so, yeah. Turning a little more into the Wicked Stepmother. Heavier on the eyeshadow. Uh-huh, Wearing Ray-Ban. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But yeah, it's and it's interesting to see her trajectory through the movie. But now she's starting to feel a little bit more into it. Frank's doing better, enough to have clothes on, and it's so disturbing. You would think it would be better to not be looking at his body, but it's like you can see the blood seeping through, through his the shirt. clothes. Yeah, it's oh. real gross. And so now he's smoking, and he's starting to get better, and he shows her the box. But he says it opens the doors to pleasures of heaven or hell. So we see the flashback of the Cenobite, and he's talking about pain and pleasure and it being indivisible and we're kind of seeing a little bit of the scenes from the beginning when he's hanging upside down and there's blood yeah it's like suspension it's suspension stuff right right which is an actual kink it is yeah yeah. and if you're into that that's great if you're comfortable with it yeah yeah absolutely it looks very painful but it does, and I think that's one of those things where you need to know what you're doing. I don't. And this, neither do the Cenobites, because they end up killing everybody that tries it. <laughs> right, they don't. And there's a safe way to do it. But so we're starting to see, like, he's talking about the box and just this sadomasochistic um, element to it, and that the Cenobites give pleasure and pain. I'll say this. No, they don't. You also never see heaven or hell. They're not angels or demons. Like, there's so much in this that is, like, none of it actually makes sense. Well, and so that's one of the things about this movie, because I feel like if you haven't seen this movie, you think it's going to be all about Pinhead and the Cenobites. And it's I really did. not. It's no. more about Frank and Julia. Yeah. And this. And that's kind of why we did it the week of Valentine's Day, because it's it's this real fucked up love story. Yeah. yeah. So now they're watching boxing and we won't talk about this too much, except just to say that Julia didn't like boxing. But now she's starting to enjoy it. Yeah, more. She even says, I've seen worse. Exactly. And she's just kind of becoming more comfortable with this violence because she's murdered two people. Yep. And we hear Frank like raging around in the attic because I guess he wanted to watch that boxing match too, but he can't because he doesn't have a skin. I thought that she just left a window open. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, of course. She just doesn't like the thunder. Larry is like, I'll I'll go check it out. And she's like, no. Right. Let me seduce you until you forget about what you heard or whatever. And play this helpless victim and I just don't want to be alone with the thunder. Um, And she's doing that because I do think there's part of her that does love Larry. and she does. I do. Well, I mean, I think- I don't necessarily think she has passion for Larry. She doesn't want bad things to happen to Larry, but she does not love Larry. She cares about him. She doesn't want him to die. Yeah. They eventually do get to the bedroom, which is way too small for two adult people to be in. Who's married in a twin size bed? People who are having marital problems. Get a king size bed and you'll be much happier. Anyway, so like they are like making out, making out, and then she sees Frank coming up out of the closet and is uh-huh. like with a knife, and like she like he's about to kill Larry. So Julia's saying, "No, please stop! No, no, no! Don't mm-hmm. do this! Don't do this!" Larry doesn't stop for whatever reason, and then eventually he does stop, and yes. then he sort of reacts in a weird, but I think somewhat respectful way. He, well, because he, he's like, "I don't understand what's going on here," and he does seem a little miffed well, about Frank it. Frank was in the closet with the knife out. I know, but he didn't I, know I thought that. she was yelling that. at Frank not to kill him. He she was. She was. 
was. Right. She was, absolutely. She was. But and Larry Frank, didn't know that. Right. All Larry knows is that she's crying. She says, I can't bear it. Please stop. No, no, no. Right. Which is clear enough to get you to stop. And he and does. He, he does eventually. That's true. He does wait a little bit yeah, too long. Yeah, it takes a little too long. Yeah, I don't think he reacts great. But he I think doesn't. he does okay because he does stop. He says, "I don't know what's don't going understand. on. It's, I don't understand I, what's going on." And then he leaves. He just. Well, like, I think leaves. he was talking more about the whole relationship. He's like, "I don't know what's going on with you. You're yeah. all I over think the that place." That's true too. I think so too. Yeah. He's like, "I don't even know what to say. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting out of here." Yeah, I mean, to be honest, that's an understandable reaction. Uh, yeah. And so the next scene we get is Kirsty and the dad in the Chinese restaurant, and he's talking about like, "I just don't know what's going on with Julia. Can you try to like, kind of what we were just saying? Right. Like, something's not right." She doesn't want to leave the house. I think she might be fucking my dead skeleton, melty face brother in the attic. I don't think he knows that yet. <laughs> but this is that scene where he's like, hey, would you mind just going and talking to her and trying to build up a relationship? Right. And, and that's why I think his daughter is sort of okay to build a relationship with her. Right. Like it might be a little new, but yeah. But so now Julie has gone to get another guy to bring back home yeah. because she doesn't want Larry to die. So it has to be a stranger. Right. But Kirsty comes Kirstie over sees. and sees the seduction of some dude. And I love this moment because she's all smiles when he goes in and then immediately turns on her evil face and is like and then closes around. the door like, yeah yeah well yeah. clearly they know something's up because you just look like the wicked witch of the west about to eat this man like if you were watching her from across the street you'd be like oh i guess julia's cheating on her husband and then when she goes to creepy you're like oh no it's just gonna be a murder yeah she's like about you to would him. know just watching across the street that that mm. was gonna happen her energy changes real quick <laughs> <laughs> so now they go up and the new man sees frank and Frank starts grabbing him and Julie is not actually attacking this one. Frank starts to stick his fingers into the guy's neck and yeah. it's really sad. That's how he sucks your life force. Yeah. And the guy has just said like I get lonely sometimes. And it, this That's what he said on the stairs. I felt so bad for I him. I did. This is the one that I do feel bad for. Yeah. yeah. But so Christy's now in the house and she sees this guy whose life force has kind of been sucked out and he's reaching out to her and then she sees Frank coming out around the corner which I thought was interesting that they went ahead and revealed this. You know it was wasn't like she sees at the very end she knows what's going on right like about halfway through the movie you know yeah i thought it was bizarre she followed the guy into the house like you know your stepmom just brought a dude inside that's enough just go best case scenario it's adultery worst right. case scenario your uncle and your stepmom right. are murdering people in the attic <laughs> to restore skin to your uncle and None it's the worst business. case yeah. yeah um but so now she sees uncle frank in the hallway and i think he's saying it's uncle frank and he says come to daddy and just all this really yeah. creepy stuff like you've grown you're beautiful there's nothing to be afraid of i bet you make your daddy so proud and it's just so gross it's creepy well, then she's like well, look what I found. And she right. picks up the puzzle box. She and gets like, the oh, no. Yeah. And so she throws it out the window. Yeah, not my Rubik's Cube. No, I'll never solve it now. I had all the reds. They're so difficult. I know. But so she walks outside and run, she, runs, gra- runs. she runs outside. Yeah, she's like stroll the down the steps like... That was weird. Yeah. I mean, she does move pretty slowly through the whole end of this movie. That's fair. But But she does run outside. She does. And she passes some nuns who give her some nun shade. Did you see that? Well, I mean, she's covered in, well, maybe not covered, but she's got blood on her. She's holding the weirdest Rubik's Cube ever made by Mattel. And like, (laughs) they're, they're interested in what's going on for sure. Right. But not... 
helpful. No, they're nuns. Um, and then she passes out on the street. And this is when she just wakes up in like a hospital, a hospital of some sort. It reminded me a lot of the American Werewolf in London. Me too. Hospital. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah well, weird. they are in London. They are. Oh yeah. yeah. And she's like, I don't remember what happened. And they're like, Well, we found you with this puzzle box here. Why don't you play with it? Right. Yeah. And maybe it you'll won't remember. Be evil. And the cops yeah. are on their way to talk to you for some reason. Right. Yeah. Who knows? But so she's playing with this puzzle box and she solves it. And when she solves it, the walls open up and there's a long hallway with arches. I've heard a couple of different theories about what this is supposed to be imagery of, like sex or like the vaginal canal or something. And I think you're going to see more of this in Hellraiser 2. More Uh, walls or more vaginal canals? More vaginal canals. It's pretty big. It's like throwing a hot dog down a vaginal hallway canal with arches. I had no boyfriend that said that a lot. That's because he had a small dick. It's like throwing a hot dog down a hallway. Well, you have a small dick then. Yeah. It's not that the girl is big. It's no, it's small. you have a small dick. But so anyways, so she's walking down this hallway and she's going down for quite a while. And then she sees this <laughs> giant. Yeah, she is. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I wouldn't go down there. Like if, if uh, I'm just saying if an archway opens up. <laughs> <laughs> and it's creepy and there's like spider webs and it's like oh. really dark I would not walk a mile into this creepy hallway well because she gets down there and she finds this giant pink hell monster it looks like a penis does it look like a penis to you it looks like, it a, penis look like a penis monster it's got a stinger at the top don't they all no so she goes down to the end of this hall and she sees this giant weird penis monster who starts running after her and she's running 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 back to get to her hospital and room barely makes it barely yeah. makes it and then she turns around and the wall is closed up but you can hear the penis monster from behind the wall he goes <laughs> you know the way penis monsters sound but then all the the, the cinnabuds come out well the cinnalite brights start shining oh, yes that's when we hosp- see the cinnalite brights mm-hmm. again yeah yeah and the cinna music is starting to play the box is zapping and then the Cenobites show up. So Pinhead, and he's starting to say some of my favorite dialogue. He's saying, you opened it, we came. And he's talking about them being, you know, <laughs> oh, All right. But he's so cool. Is I he? Just, yes, All I right. love him. But he's saying, we're demons to some, angels to others. And I think that reads kind of into this, like when Clive Barker wrote this, he was really- ins- High on cocaine. Yeah. Well, maybe. But he was also really inspired by BDSM. Who hasn't been inspired by BDSM? Well, but yeah. yeah, and so what he's saying is this looks terrible to some people and other people are really into it and it's okay like there's a spectrum of sexuality that is true yeah and people yeah. are interested in different things and so that's what I think that demons to some angels to others is kind of implying and that's one of the things that I think is interesting about this movie and why it gets talked about a lot and I'm going to link an article that talks more about this but it just kind of presents more options than we have been seeing and kind of normalizing different things that people might be into. And she knows she's about to get sucked into the hell mouth, but she's like, no, no, no. Wait, you're... wait, wait, wait. I have a deal. Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Have you heard of this Frank Cotton guy? He's a real big dick. Well, has a real big dick, but <laughs> she says... He escaped you. Yeah, he escaped mm-hmm. you. And they're like, well, what if he did? <laughs> no, he it doesn't didn't. matter. Yeah. And they're yeah. like, hey, mouth face, can you go check and see if Frank's there? He's like, <laughs> it's the chatterer, but yes, you're right. <laughs> he has the best dialogue in the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> She's saying, I can lead you to him. And they're saying they want to hear him confess to them. And then maybe we'll tear your soul apart, which I just love. It doesn't sound like anybody would like them. I'm into the Cenobites, man. Now, Frank and Julia are talking because now they think that Kirsty might have alerted the Cenobites to them, which she did. So now he's got to get a new skin real fast. Yeah. 
Um, and so, oh, look, Larry's home. Isn't that convenient? The next thing we see is Julia smoking at a mirror and Larry, Larry, quote unquote, comes up behind her and starts like rubbing her face real sensually, but leaves a little trail of blood. Right. And you see that cut that was on Larry's hand at the beginning. You see the bandaid that is still there uh-huh. and it makes it seem like she may have chose Larry. Yeah. Over Frank. Mm-hmm. I really like this part because mm-hmm. it continues that, I guess, charade, if you will, uh-huh. until his daughter comes home. Yeah, which is what happens next. So she's like, I want to see my dad. I want to see my dad. And she's like, fucking fine. He's upstairs. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's upstairs. And then mm-hmm. he comes downstairs and they sort of see each other. She hugs him because yeah. she thinks it's Larry, but it's actually Frank. Yep. He says, I killed Frank. You don't have to worry about him anymore. It's fine. I took care of it. Yeah. And Christy says she wants to see. So they go up and she sees a skinless body upstairs. He's like unhinged. He's like, I'll call. I'll tell the cops later. Like Mm -hmm. they won't understand. But like, I don't even understand why I killed him. Winky blinky. You know what I'm saying? Right. And the actor is doing an amazing job of presenting like these kind of subtle differences because we know something's up, you know. Um, So now they're upstairs and skinless dad's on the floor. And then the Cenobites are back and they are pointing to the body and they say, we want to talk to the man who did this. And Julia says, no, I won't let you get my dad because she still thinks that Larry is her dad. Right. Because she no longer has eyes or ears, apparently. Right. right. But yeah. I mean, it does look like Larry and not like Frank. She's also probably pretty traumatized, too. That's fair. Yeah, it's a weird um, thing. It's a weird week. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a, a, lot, a lot going on, guys. Yeah. But, but so Frank is out in the hallway and he's being real weird and saying he wants Kirsty to stay and they can all be happy. And then he says, come to daddy. Right. Which is something that Larry never said. Exactly. Because that's a weird thing to say. Yes. But he is is her dad. Yes. It's less weird for him to say it. Now, it's all on how you say it. Right. It but, is. But he says it, the actor who was, the actor who plays Larry, yeah. who is now Frankified, mm-hmm. is saying it creepy, like a yes. creepy dude would say yes. it. Yes. And, and that's know, how she knows. She's yeah. an adult. Also, she saw Frank say, come to daddy earlier. I yes. think that's his And then like, maybe earlier, race. earlier. Yeah. Yes, maybe. But so now she knows, and so she scratches the skin off of his face, and it doesn't seem to hurt him at all. So I think now she really knows that something's up. And he gets out his Frank knife. It's like a switchblade. It is a switchblade, but we see him with it all the time. So that's another, like, now we're for sure that this is Frank in Larry's skin. But he starts to come after Kirsty very Mm -hmm. menacingly and tries to stab her. And Kirsty just spin moves out of the way and he stabs Julia. Because Julia's blocking the way and kind of holding Kirsty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, But yeah, he ends up stabbing Julia. And I'm sure it was on accident, but he just goes with it and starts, like, sucking Julia's life force out. And was like, it's nothing personal, babe. You know, yeah. I'm just an asshole. Yeah, I'm just a horrible yeah. dude. Okay, so now Larry Frank, or Frank and... Frank and Larry. Frank, Frank and Larry, Larry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is looking for Kirstie, and she's hiding. And we kind of have a sequence of her hiding in the box room with a couple of bodies probably in the corner. This is when Jesus Christ falls out of the closet. Uh-huh. It's hilarious. You're like, <laughs> Jesus like, Christ, Jesus! not now! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was interesting. Yeah, very um, interesting. But then they eventually get back into the murder room and the Cenobites are gone. Mm-hmm. And then she is like getting him to confess because they wanted to hear Frank and Larry confess. Uh-huh. Frank and Larry confesses and then Pinhead is like, Gotcha, bitch. Uh huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, I was wearing a wire the it's whole actually, time. And exactly. And hooks were connected to yeah. it. Right. Exactly. The Cenobites are now trying to get Frank and Larry. Right. Uh huh. And as he's like, okay, if I'm fucked, I'm gonna kill Kirsty too. So he goes after her with a knife, and as he's about to stab her, this is when you see the fissures of men from hell mm-hmm. come in and throw like chains with hooks on the end of them and start hooking his hands. They're like, and oh, stuff. we got a bite, rail it in. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. We got a live one. And so then a bunch of hooks are coming out, and yeah. he. 
his like whole body and his face are starting to get hooked apart. And it's so creepy because his face is being pulled apart by hooks, but he licks his lips. Yeah. And then he says, Jesus wept. Which makes zero sense. It's the shortest verse of the Bible. And it's all he had time for before he exploded. When he does explode as she closes the door behind him. Yeah. He's like, I gotta go. Bye. Now, I read somewhere, and I'm not sure if this is true or not, but I heard that this was originally fuck you, and that's what he was gonna say. But I think that changed. That would have made sense. But it's real unsettling, and I, as much as I don't like hooks in skin, I do really like that. And they, so they pulled apart and his head exploded. Yeah. And so now she Frank has been eliminated as a monster. But this is one thing I like. The Cenobites don't just let her off the hook. They are still no there. Pun intended. <laughs> that was you unintentional. Didn't you did it. I know, man. <laughs> it was pun intentional. Right, pun intentional. Yeah. Oh. Jen, welcome to the conversation. Yes. <laughs> All right. Um, but so now, because the female, and that's actually, I'm not calling her the female. That's what she's known as. But the, the female. female Cenobite. She's coming up the steps with like the, the hook into the wall, and the wall is bleeding. And she's uh-huh. more or less saying, like, you're trying to leave so soon. Yeah, oh, the party's just getting started. Yeah. And so she goes into the mat- the room, and she sees Julia, who's all hooked up on a mattress. Yeah. And she's dead and holding this puzzle box in her hands. And so this is when Kirsty grabs the puzzle box and starts playing with it, and she does the little seductive circle thing. Pinhead yeah. is right behind her, which I love, because it just he comes out of nowhere, and he's so cool. Is he? This is when she learns that when you solve the Rubik's Cube, mm-hmm. the Pinhead Cenobites dissolve. Yeah, you can yellow light them back to hell. Right. Mm -hmm. So she starts solving the box, and then Pinhead goes away, and then Mm -hmm. the female goes away. And then the house starts to collapse, and suddenly Boyfriend is there. Yes. He's like, hey, with the loudest shirt ever. Yeah, it's screaming at me. Yeah. Well, and then the chatterer is underneath a sheet right behind her, and she gets him back in the box, and then Butterball's there, and the house collapses on him, but she gets them all back she gets them to disappear with the yellow lights of the hell box. Gets the bites in the box. She gets the bites in the box, box girl. But so the house starts to collapse and they are outside and we see kind of yellow lights coming from every window of the house. And we're led to believe that the Cenobites are all contained now and that everything's safe. Yeah. Boyfriend is there and they're out in the rain. And then they walk onto a bonfire lot. But so she's throwing the puzzle box onto the fire. And then suddenly there's the Gordon's fisherman. Yeah, he's like, arr, arr. Right. Except he doesn't say anything in the whole thing because I think he's got crickets in his mouth. Yeah, he has zero dialogue. um, Oh, and we also see a picture of Frank that's burning too, leading us to believe that he's dissolving in the pits of hell for all time. But the Gordon's Fisherman guy steps into the fire... Uh-huh. Catches on fire, yep. becomes a skeletal, and then flies away. It is so bizarre. Like, yeah. it's he's on fire, and then suddenly it's a skeleton pterodactyl on fire. I d- couldn't do nothing but laugh. Yeah, it was over the top silly. And, and then he takes the puzzle box, and then yeah. you see the scene from the beginning of mm-hmm. the movie. Yeah, with a different guy. Yeah, yeah. with a different man. He goes, "What's your pleasure?" He's like, "Oh, I love puzzles." <laughs> yeah. Do you have a puzzle box? Mm. Oh, I do. And, and that's, that's the, the movie. movie. <laughs> so having watched the movie and talked about the movie, what did you guys think about it? I really enjoyed it. Now, let's I really say, enjoyed it, too. <laughs> there's a lot that could read as very silly, and it's kind of one of those movies you just kind of have to go with it and overlook certain things. I think it's really interesting. I think the Gordon's Fisherman Skeledactyl thing is an interesting element. I think it comes off as a little goofy. Anyways, there's a lot to really like in here, and I like all of the dynamics. But it's just real bizarre. Mikey, what do you think about it? I think it's kind of dumb. I mean, I, 
I yeah, thought no, it was, I mean, you're not off. I thought it was like really silly. Yeah. I think it's the epitome of like 80s what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. And it's fine. It's very, very funny, but I don't think it's meant to be. No, yeah. it's very dark, but also silly. Right. It's like if yeah, House what I mean. was a horror movie, House 2. <laughs> you mean House 2 that we covered on our horror podcast? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. Uh... I think Mikey pulled a fast one. <laughs> but yeah, so I sort of feel the same way. It's very dark, very eerie, a lot of body horror that I didn't love. Yeah. But it's really silly. It's got really dark themes but like really executed in a silly way yeah let's get into box office all right so what do you guys think the production budget was for this movie i'm gonna say six million dollars for the movie and two million dollars for cocaine okay so you think eight million dollars total between the movie production and coke budget (laughs) yeah i'm gonna say a million yeah that's because it is a million you already knew that so the production budget was a million it was probably filmed in 86 i mean you could get a lot of coke for a million dollars in 86 that's true so what do you guys think it made in the theaters hmm I don't know. You don't know? 20 million? I don't know. I'm 15. Okay. It made, in its opening weekend, $4.4 million. Okay. And then total, it made $14.5 million. So it did all right. I mean, for how did this movie spawn so many sequels? Well, it did all right, man. A million dollar budget, it made $14 million. All right is not seven sequels. It's fascinating. Pinhead is so cool. Is he? Yeah, I think so. But this is the highest box office Hellraiser movie, and it's the first one, and it only made $14 million. (laughs) And they made 90 more? Yeah. But this is a beloved movie in the horror community. And I think partly because it's just so unique. They do say every Coke binge is very different. <laughs> but that's box office. <sighs> so, Jen, do you have some fun facts yeah, for us? Jen, give us some I fun do facts. have some fun facts. Hit me with your Coke facts. All right. So, Clive Barker did write this book. It was adapted from his novel, The Hellbound Heart. I really liked the book. I like Clive Barker a lot. He's got a, it's a very like horror fantasy, kind of bizarre. It's just interesting, and you kind of just have to experience it, you know. He had had a couple of his stories or books adapted into short films, and they just were terrible. And he was really unhappy with the direction they took because his stories, I feel like they're very personal to him, and he has particular things he wants to say with them. He wanted to direct this because he was afraid they would just butcher the story. And I think this is kind of like his one of his passion projects, you know? Sure. But yeah, he had no idea how to direct. And there's actually a story about him going to the library to try to check out books about how to direct. And they were both checked out. So he was like, well, fuck. (laughs) But so he had a friend who was kind of a backer and helped him. And he was like, you need to get a location and then you need to get some no-name actors and we can do this for a million dollars. And so... I think the the set, like they had a really strong bond and they were all just kind of on board for going with this and they like went with him even though he didn't exactly know what he was doing. Sure. And that's part of what I like about it too. You know, I just feel like there's a lot of heart in this movie, you know, like he had a vision and whether it works for you or not, I think he really got to put his vision out there and I like that a lot. I'll say this about directors. It's not as hard of a job as everyone makes it out to be. If you hire a really good special effects person and a really good director of photography, your director can sort of suck and you can still come out with a good movie. Really? Because your director of photography is the one that's setting up all the shots. Mm -hmm. So the way everything looks in the movie is your director of photography. And then your special effects guy is what makes everything look good. Like the scene with the skeleton at the very beginning when Uh Frank is sort of coming back, it looks great. Yeah, it does look good. Yeah, so you don't 
really need a great director to make a great movie. Although there are like the iconic directors that are just really good and at telling stories. And you can see stories. their stamp, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the working title of this movie was Sadomasochists from Beyond the Grave. Well, that's a horrible <laughs> name. So I'm glad they changed it to Hellraiser. They did change it, yeah. And I heard when they were trying to figure out what they were going to change it to, he originally said they were going to call it Hellbound because the novel is called the Hellbound, Hellbound Heart. Heart. Yeah. yeah, but they changed it to Hellraiser. And I have a funny anecdote where some old lady suggested you call it what a woman will do for a good fuck. <laughs> I was like, they didn't call it that, but... Oh, they didn't? <laughs> no. So surprised. <laughs> um, apparently, it got an X rating, and they had to tone it way down. Oh, I want to see the X rating. Uh, well, I guarantee you it's a porn. Well, okay. So here's what they ended up cutting out. There Jen's was... porn facts. <laughs> now it's now more, more porn. porn. <laughs> um, so oh, they cut God. out more of the hammer murders. Apparently, okay. you got more close-ups, I think, especially with the first one. Okay. Um, one of Julia's victims, apparently the actor, wanted to do the scene naked. So they ended up having to either replace that or cut a lot of it out, which I thought was a The real... actor wanted to do yeah, it naked? Yeah, he's like, I just feel like in my process, I want to be naked in this scene. Well, and I mean, she's about, she's All seducing right. him. Um, So there's a part where Christy is trying to defend herself from Frank and she sticks her hand into his stomach. We see that, yeah. yeah. We do, well, we, there there was a lot more. Okay. Um, So they cut that back. There was a longer scene of Frank torn apart by the hooks and there was a lot more um in the flashback sequence. There were a lot more like Sexy sexual times. elements. Oh, of the devil penis magic. Yeah, yeah apparently okay. the knife, there was a sodomy al- element to it. And with the knife? No, not with a knife. No. Oh my God. They, they put the knife in because they took the sodomy element out. Oh, I'm not okay. 100% sure about that, but that's what I read. And there were some spanking in those flashback scenes. That's you gotta not, cut that. That's nothing. Well, but I mean, that's you nothing. know, for the 80s. Yeah, for the 80s. But so that's, a, it was just a lot more. Sure. And they cut it down quite a bit. So there are British laws that say you cannot have roaches of both genders or both sexes on set at the same time because they would breed and like make more baby roaches. <laughs> Whose job was it to sex the onset roaches? It was the roach wrangler's job. Oh my God. <laughs> That's a real job that somebody had to have. Oh, oh my God. God. Uh, I, I want to see that name in the credits. All right. The roach wrangler. So the ending special effects, um, they were real limited with their budget and apparently they just kind of hammered it out over a drunken weekend. And so he was like, I know this is not the best effects. Um, but I think at that point in the movie, you're just kind of going with it. Yeah. You know? it, it could does... be anything. You're yeah. fine. You just want the movie to be over. <laughs> oh, no. I was into it. Um, I mean, I'm giving it shit. I didn't think right. it was a horrible movie. Right. I'm, I'm sort of just joking around. But was yeah. it, though? I mean, it was a I funny, dark movie. Like, it is a dark comedy on some level. It is the epitome of, like, 80s excess, though. So, the Cinnabites, we already talked about the female. Um, but the other ones are called The Chatterer and Butterball. Mm-hmm. And they were supposed to have dialogue too but with their costumes they couldn't talk especially the chatterer yeah. so they ended up giving that dialogue to pinhead and the female so in the book um clive barker did not name the character pinhead he's actually called the hell priest in the book okay um but the fans named him pinhead and that's what kind of caught on he's played by a man named doug bradley and I've just heard the nicest stories about him just being a really cool guy, especially at conventions and stuff. But he originally auditioned for one of the movers. And he had... <laughs> That's a big step up, man. It is. Well, but he <laughs> but he wasn't recognizable. Like, you can't... 
tell who he is in the movie because he's got so much makeup on. Yeah. So he was trying to decide whether he wanted to be in this movie and be like have his face get out there. And apparently when all of the when the movie came out and there was a lot of publicity, nobody recognized him in the movie. So he was just kind of sitting back and watching it all happen. I heard a story where at one of the rap parties, nobody was talking to him and he was sad because he thought he had really connected with everybody on the cast. And then he realized they had never seen him out of his makeup. So the <laughs> cast didn't recognize <laughs> Him. Oh I know, my isn't God. crazy? I'm going to link in our show notes a lot of articles about this because we've talked a little bit about this, but there are a lot of ways to read this movie. But um, I read a, an article about reading this as a, a misunderstood man coming to terms with his sexuality. I don't know if I want to speak to that because I don't know if I saw that just because of the lens I'm looking to, but I'm going to link it because there's a lot of like not feeling comfortable in your skin. I think it's something we see with Clive Barker a lot, not feeling comfortable with with the body that you have. Um, again, I don't really want to speak to that too much, but I just, I'm going to link that because I think it's really interesting and I think it's worth mentioning about this movie. There was talk about doing a reboot a couple of years ago with the guy who directed Martyrs, but that kind of fell through. And Clive Barker got really sick and almost died a couple of years ago. And I think he's better now, but I think that's kind of what made that kind of stop in its tracks. But at one point... There was going to be a Hellraiser versus Halloween movie, which is kind of like a Freddy versus Jason, where um, Pinhead and maybe, I guess, Michael Myers were going to kind of go up against each other. And Clive <laughs> Barker was going to write it and John Carpenter was going to direct it. Really? Yeah. And that's when I, th I think that's when Clive Barker got sick Aww. and it just kind of that didn't happen. It didn't, of it? Yeah. Yeah. But wouldn't that, that would have been interesting? super interesting. Yeah. 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 I mean, especially to have the two creators of the characters yeah. involved. Yeah, know? absolutely. Because it wouldn't have just been like a cash grab kind of thing. So, I yeah. mean, it probably would have been a cash grab, but a well, pretty decent one. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and speaking of cash grab, there have been some terrible sequels to this. Like the kind of sequels that you put something out real quick so you don't lose the rights to the movie, you know? Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, there, I think there are 10 sequels to this oh now. Oh, my gosh. What? There's a lot. Now, I will say I like the second one a lot, and I haven't seen any of the others. Fair enough. But we All may right. get to them. We'll see. And those are my fun facts. Well, thank you for your fun facts, well, Jen. You're welcome. So let's do the scary scale. Hey, listeners. Our scary scale is a scale we use to rank how scary we found the movie. It's not the quality of the film. It's how scared we were today when we watched it. Our one example is Ghostbusters. Our 10 example is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. All right, Todd. I'm going to give it a three. All right. Just for all like the body horror. Yeah. It is sort of uncomfortable. It made me cringe a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's not scary, though. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's very funny. <laughs> All right, Mikey. Unintentionally so. I give it a one. I yeah. thought, I'm dead inside. <laughs> it also isn't scary. Also, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one where it's more the themes are scarier than what we actually see. Yeah, so it's like not scary. Right. Well, and I'm going to give it <laughs> I'm going to give it a 5. Okay. And that's partly because I just have what we've talked about. I've got issues with skin and flesh and hooks and that stuff. That makes sense. I mean, I am scared of jump scares. You're scared of body horror. So I it's am, like, I'm yeah. Not, yeah. I don't like it. I, I, yeah. I get it. But also there's a lot of like rapey vibes in this movie that are very uncomfortable for me also. Yeah. So this week you guys made me watch Hellraiser. What are you guys making me watch next week? Well, next week we are watching, we're continuing Women in Horror Month and we're going to watch the movie Ravenous. Which is oh. one of my favorite horror films. Is it? Yeah. It's, okay. It's a real quirky, interesting movie and I'm excited. <laughs> there's a, it's, a, it's a bit of a Mikey movie. I watched the trailer <laughs> on Patreon. It looks like Dances with Wolves meets a closed room cannibal movie I, that's actually uh, not a bad description <laughs> yeah and it's got a lot of humor 
And a lot of heart. Are they eating that heart? <laughs> uh, all right. Well, guys, watch Ravenous for next week. And welcome back to the time when Mikey learns to read. <laughs> yeah, Mikey, do you want to read a five-star review for us? Yeah, Robot 6. Okay. Oh, yeah? He writes, or she writes. It writes. <laughs> it's a robot. Uh, I used I used to only listen to Cinema Sins until y'all came onto their show. Oh. Nice. I decided to try y'all out, and all I can say is that this podcast is amazing. Oh, oh thank thanks. you. I love that I can that I finally found a horror podcast that I can fall in love with and be excited about every week. Nice. Mm-hmm. Haven't missed a week since we started. Yep. Very proud Hollywood. of that. I love this podcast so much that my wife got me the You Can Get It Patreon level. <gasps> cool. oh, oh, I wonder if this is uh, Kayla's husband, Aaron. Oh, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Todd's reactions and humor always make my day. Oh, Mikey yeah. is downright hilarious. And Jen's commentary is always spot on. Damn right. Fun facts are the best. Awesome. Thank y'all so much for making my commute to work amazing, and I look forward to many more episodes. Oh, that was an awesome review. Thank thank you. Thank you so much. It's super sweet. And if you guys want us to read your five-star review, leave us a five-star review so we can (laughs) read it on the podcast. Yeah, it's just that easy. It is just that easy. Mm -hmm. And guys, if you don't have Apple iTunes and you can't leave us a five-star review, just continue telling your friends and family and coworkers about the show because that is probably the best way to help someone find the show Yeah, is to introduce them to it. So please do that. All right, guys, we remember the Consequence Podcast Network. So do us a favor and check out some of their shows like This Must Be The Gig. And that is an awesome interview podcast that she actually interviews a lot of really like A-list musicians and stuff. It's It's like a real podcast. Yeah. It is like a legit podcast. Yeah, there's also (laughs) Kyle Meredith with he also interviews a lot of celebrities, he does, which is yeah. really cool. The Opus, um, and they just announced a new podcast called The Assembly, which is going to involve some really big people that you have heard of and are awesome, so make sure you check that out. They also have The Losers Club, which is one of my favorite podcasts because it talks all about Stephen King. They have Halloweenies, and I think they're going to have some announcements coming up soon. And awesome. is The Fifth Dimension, too. Awesome. So Guys, check them cool out. Stuff. And check out their website because they run awesome articles about music and film and TV and just all kinds of pop culture stuff. It is yeah, it's like a real website. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> Jen wrote for them and got published. I did, man. And I'm working on something that's going to drop pretty soon, too. Nice. So check it out. So guys, if you want to follow us, go to horrorvirgin.com for our website, Jen's blog, the the merch store, all that great stuff. If you want to follow us on socials, we are at horrorvirgin on all of them. Mikey is at M Randolph 24. Jen is at Jen Ferratu with two N's and I'm at Todd J. Awesome. And guys, if you want to check out our awesome Patreon, get a lot of awesome extras there like bonus episodes Mm -hmm. Jen's doing a lot of awesome videos on The Outsiders Mm -hmm. we do the Mikey Takes Talk to the movies occasionally we should do more of those I fucking love that though (laughs) it's so much fun Mm -hmm. so let's do more of that anyway so we'll get that up there too and We've got the the bonus episodes that go up yeah. every other yep. week. That's in fact, we're recording one right after this. Yeah, and all patrons get to uh, suggest and vote on our monthly oh, yeah. listener request. Absolutely, too. which we just did yeah. last week. Yeah. If you can financially support the show, please do it. The Patreon at patreon.com slash horrorvirgin. But if you can't and you still want daily free content, come to the Facebook group. It is awesome. It really is. Yeah. The community there is just amazing. It is. We're closing in on 600 members. Mm. It is the best. And if you hate Facebook, do what I do. Just create an account, like an anonymous account, and don't follow anybody, and then all you see is stuff that gets posted in the group and right. it's moderated. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's going to be it from all us, right. everybody. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. We hope you have a happy Valentine's yeah, Day. Yeah, thank you. Have a great Valentine's Day. Yeah. yeah. With I... yourself or a loved one. <laughs> or both. <laughs> yeah, self-love's important, guys. So it is, yeah. Get to jerking it. Make a tape. (laughs) And on that note, don't make a tape. I'm Jen. (laughs) I'm Mikey. And I'm your horror virgin Todd, guys. (laughs) Have an amazing weekend, Valentine's Day. Bye. Pinhead nerds.
I mean, there is glaze on those Cinnabons. Mm, yeah. Oh, man. Damn right there is. <laughs> no, stop. <laughs> Don't sexualize my Cinnabons. <laughs> Consequence Podcast Network.